Hello, and welcome to the podcasts on the work of Byron Katie. This is Ernest from theartofbeinghuman.com with session three of the questions and answers series. In this episode, Atul and I follow up on our conversation from last time. Among other things, we discuss the work as a practice, the desire for taking the work into actions, the concept of the friendly universe, and the challenge of how to know that you are still in the work when you're using a more explorative style. I hope you enjoy listening and that these questions and answers continue to support you in your practice. I really enjoyed the, the first part of our conversation. And there are a couple of things that came up that uh, I wanted to explore more. You had this lovely analogy or metaphor of these children wagon trains where you have a steering wheel, but it's not connected to anything. But we human beings like to feel that we have some, some steering wheel that can navigate and we can control. And I can, both as a physician, as a psychologist, I would say that's a very legitimate human need. Mm-hmm. So as we let go by doing the self-inquiry, what I find is there is a phase of confusion because you begin to realize the external world is uncontrollable and is a fruitless exercise, but you're looking for something else that guides your actions on a daily basis. What do I do Monday morning? So I want to explore that part of the resistance I feel I have and others who have done work for a long period of time is the need for control does drop off. Mm -hmm. But how would you speak to what do you replace it with? And somehow it feels like as I listen to you, there is no replacement. You just have to trust what Byron Katie says, and you say it often, that this universe is friendly. Yeah. I wrestle with that idea. So can you yeah. expand on that? Well, well, um, well I, I do think that it is the, like one of the cornerstones in, um, I don't remember who it was, but, but some philosopher said, you know, that, that there is only one really relevant question, is the universe friendly? And I think the, the, the notion here is that if we are sitting on one of those wagons where the wheel doesn't actually connect, the, the steering wheel doesn't connect to, to the wheels and we're just being driven anyway, if that is true, then that has always been the case in our lives. We just thought we had control but we didn't. So one way is to look at that and say, well, how did it go? How has it gone so far? And, and for most of us, luckily, we can say that, that there have been downs and, and trouble. And of course, this doesn't count for everyone. But, but for most of us, we can say about our lives, well, it's actually been going okay. I just thought I was in control. But, but if, if we say I wasn't in control, it's surprising how well it went anyway. So can mm. I trust that same energy moving forward in my life? Mm. 
mm. that have been holding me so far. If it's actually true that I don't have control and never, then I never had it. And then it actually went fine. Um, so th that's one thing that can help in that journey, or at least I found it to be helpful to consider that, well, it's not about letting go of control. It's realizing I never had control. And so nothing actually changes other than my belief that I have control and I realize I don't and, and off we go. And I think when we examine our lives. So I it's like that, it's like that steering wheel we think we had, but it wasn't connected to anything. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Right. So we were always just on those. The secret wheels. is out. That's it. That, that's it. So what keeps us earnest? And, and it's a very practical question. It's not a philosophical question that as you see and work with so many people, I find that's a leap of faith. So you intellectually, you get it. The, the steering wheel is more comfort than control. Yeah, yeah. But it's still, there is so much imagery mind shows you of how the world is not friendly and kind, the wars, the suffering. So, so that, so that's, so, so what do we do? Well, we look at all those apparently unkind things. Right. And as we look at them, we discover that they are actually not unkind. That there's no, this is not a leap of faith in the sense that I just have to jump in and trust what the intellect says or what Ernest says or, or whatever. This can be tested and that's what, that's what inquiry offers. That's what the work offers. So, 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 um, uh, um, Mm. Yeah, you can look at the wars, you can look at your own life, you can look at the pain you've experienced and 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 really question it. This was not right. This was wrong. Something was off. This shouldn't have happened. Mm. And it's as you do that, that you gradually begin to see that it wasn't the world that was off. It was how I received or reacted to what happened that was off. And so I can actually mm. trust the world. And I can even trust my instincts or my natural responses when I stop being mm. run by uh, my beliefs and my rules and start trusting this innate um, response that, that we could call childish or. Right, right. So, so uh, yeah, so it's not a surrender in, into the blue. And that's why it's a process, I think, because the more of these things, the more times I see oh, that was actually also not an unfriendly universe victimizing me. That was this misperception or that was this action on my part or that was like I could have done it in another way and then it wouldn't have been a problem. I begin to see that it's really my reactions that is causing the suffering. And, and, mm -hmm. and as that happens, I uncover, wow, the universe is friendly and, 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 we, can, and we can do that pretty deep. Alan Watts, whom I'm very fond of, he, he has this exercise where he says, um, design, design the universe from scratch. Mm. Right? Let's imagine we take it all off and then we just start, a, we start to figure out how could we design the best possible universe? I haven't, I haven't done it with people, but he says when he does it with people, what happens is that they come up with this. Because mm. when you because you need the free will in order for it to work, and you need this and you need that, and you need and then you build into the system like we have a sense of what's right and what's wrong and or what's kind and what's unkind. And and, and then eventually we get we, we, we end up with something very similar to what we're in. Because they're because they're yeah. 
for a bunch yeah. of reasons. And that's a good way to, that's another good way to discover, wow, it, it actually is the best possible way because the freedom we are afforded here and the welcoming nature of this universe, which allows everything. There are no rules, no moral or other guidelines. We are just free. And then we have this built-in empathy and mm. ability to, to sense what is aligned with our true nature and what is not. And, and, and that means if we, to my mind is like, when we start that system, then over time it will balance out. It just takes yeah. a while, you know, ultimately. So, so one example is we, we think we should be unselfish. That's, that's like a, a message in many contexts, right? We should mm -hmm. not think about ourselves, we yeah, should think yeah, about yeah. But, but what I find is that's, that's, that's not, that's, that's not going to work. I mean, that, because that'll always be a tension of, of suppressing myself. Uh, trying to be kind or good to others. Luckily, that's not how the system is. What I found is what's built in is that it is actually through my selfishness that I will ultimately become uh, the, the, the saint. Because mm. I, I, when I become, the more I turn towards myself and look inside, the more I notice that it hurts me when I see others suffering. That hurts me. So, mm. so as I get more and more sensitive, there will be less and less outer suffering in others mm. that I can live. I become more and more aware that their, that that the life of others impacts my life in a way that makes me want to actually relieve their suffering. Not because mm. I'm trying to live up to some ideal about being unselfish, but but but, but actually out of my most selfish side, I for me to have a good life, I need you to have a good life. I cannot have ultimate peace if I'm looking at someone sleeping in the street, dying of hunger, war, destruction, children suffering. I cannot be happy mm -hmm. in that environment. I can mm -hmm. pretend to be, or I can, I, can, I can think I am, but the more attuned I become and the more I turn inside, the more I'll notice how many things actually pain me about these things I see. And then that's, that's one way of saying that we are one. You know that there, there are many different aspects or levels right, right. to that, but there's that very direct way that my empathy, as a natural, normal human animal, as in part of a group, I'm built to be part of a group. My empathy just means I'm, I, I can't, I can't live with the suffering of everyone else. Yeah, and there is an interesting. Uh, Go ahead. I, I just want to bring this. It's it's a very interesting question about um, uh, suffering. Um, Imagine, imagine a baby and someone burning it with cigarette butts or something, doing something mm -hmm. really unpleasant to the baby. Right, right. And then ask yourself, who of those two, if you had to be one of them, who would you rather be? That's a difficult choice. I, I, neither. I don't want to be hurting someone or receiving pain. And if you had to be one of them, if you had to absolutely had to step into one of the roles. I yeah. think I would choose to be a baby. Yeah. That's the answer I get from, from oh. anyone I ask. And I think that's that says the whole thing, right? That's the whole story right there. We don't that's want to be that guy. Yeah. And that is what will ultimately bring us, bring the world, if we don't destroy it, on the way which we might but but that's the big big gamble we could say of the universe i think 
but it's built in, it's imminent. It's not something that needs to come to us from the outside. We, 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 we don't want to be that guy. And the, and the more sensitive we become, the more nuanced we notice things, you know, the less we can do to others of these kinds of things. So you and I are pretty clear on, on not burning others with cigarette butts, but you know, an aggressive fit or an irritation or an unkind remark, you know, we, we become less and less able to do that until eventually, you know, people will say, oh, he's a saint, he's so kind to everyone, but it's not for their sake. It's just, it hurts me too much. Mm. So that's why I have this behavior. And I think that when we look at the Buddha or Jesus or some of these big role models of, of kindness, I really believe that's that was their experience. They were not doing it for others. Uh, they were seeing others as themselves or they were experiencing their pain. And... Yeah. I get very inspired by this and it makes sense. But then when I finished this conversation, as I've always experienced working with you one-on-one -on -one or in groups, yeah. I wake up Monday morning yeah, and then I say, you know, I think this makes sense, but that's an ideal world. I have, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. let's unpack it. And, and you work with so many people. It's so clear. I feel it when you talk about it. Uh -huh. I feel it in reading Byron Katie's books. Yes. I sense it. Yeah. And if I was to speak for many others, and certainly for myself, there is something that still doesn't believe that it's theoretical. Of right? course. Of course. And, and I notice in me, and so I'm interested in how I'll come to the question. I notice in me and saying, if I get that sensitive to the world and my human instinct impulse to, to relieve the suffering of others, it feels like overwhelming experience. I, it feels like every pain, which there is a lot of around in the world, like I can't go to the grocery store without seeing comparatively how I am so much luckier and privileged. Mm -hmm. And this comparative view on how bad things can get where people are hungry and they, mm. they don't have. So part of the resistance I feel to accepting what you're saying uh -huh. that is, is the sense of overwhelm. I cannot right. be happy. I can't control everyone's. I want to control everyone's pain. I don't want yeah. everybody to be sick or poor or in pain. Right. In India, in, in you know, in, in, in Africa, in, in parts yeah. of Africa, where there's so much. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm a limited human being and I have my little life here. I, this is my little bubble. And the need for protecting it from even just the day-to-day -day comfort and avoidance of pain kicks in. Uh -huh. And then the whole sequence of things yeah. that start from there. So how does one, I know it's not an intellectual process. I know it, there's some process that some people can cross that 
what looks like a leap of faith, that threshold, that the world is kind and universe. I like to believe it, but my experience doesn't help me there. Yeah, well, well, it's just one step at a time, right? And that's one of the lovely things I think about the work. You know, just do one worksheet at a time, one piece of work at a time. And over time, it just releases. It that. chips it off one by one. So, so in the beginning, it's like, oh, this guy who's uh, telling me off at the bus stop, you know, mm. how unfriendly, how terrible. And you work on that and you discover, no, actually, he was... It wasn't even personal towards me. He doesn't even know me. He's just in a fit, in a mood. He probably has a difficult time. Who knows what just happened? Mm. Divorce, sickness, death, you know, loss of job, whatever. He was in that state. And there wasn't an unkindness there in that way. It wasn't personal towards me. And, mm. and let's, let's just be schematic about it and say, so the next time I meet someone in that similar situation, I will respond differently. I'm more open and more willing to in the moment see that this is not personal and he's not after me. He's he's hurting. What's what comes across as anger is really pain. And maybe it arises in me to say, hmm. you know, I, I don't think that's often very helpful, but but at least just hold him in some way, right? But you could mm -hmm. even ask, like, I see you're in pain, can I do something for you? But usually it's just being calm and, and smiling mm -hmm. and open mm -hmm. and, and and or going like if it, it, it can be a situation where someone says, oh, you shouldn't put your bag there. That's so wrong. You know, they found their reason. Mm. And to just meet them with, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I wasn't aware of that. Of course, I'll move it right away. You know, just meet them with kindness. So instead of getting like, oh, he's after me. And then it's a discussion about where my bags can be. And I wasn't aware. And how dare you yell at me, right? So there is, so that's the first little chip, right? And you that little bit, bit changes. And you see, well, actually the universe wasn't unfriendly there. It was just... Mm pointing that I had put the backs the wrong place and, and I just move them and done, it's over, right? The next thing is then your wife or your husband, right? right Who's right. doing something similar and you chip that and you see that even when they're really distraught and they apparently come at you with personal attacks, it's it's really their pain and you do the same sometimes and, and you know, live and let live. And, and so that, so you calm that down. And then, you know, the next thing, what about the killer? What about the violence? rapist the violent person the, right, the war right. and all of that but you have to walk that yourself i, I can't just mm. it would be wonderful if, if we could just you know or i don't know that it would actually but if we could just transmit it like touch on the head and then boom it's just all gone but it seems to be a process where you can't skip any steps and you just have to walk it and it's there waiting for you to walk it anytime and until you've walked it you know the the the, the rapist or the murderer or the the dictator or whatever you know there is no compassion for them but at some point mm. that begins to arise as you look at your judgments on them enough and you begin to see they're just like me mm. they're just like me they're just under more difficult circumstances for whatever reason i would have done the same had i been them it's not an uh, built-in yeah and, and and all the things you discover with that and yeah. that and that brings compassion and and again oh so that wasn't a proof either that the universe is unfriendly. Let me find another proof then. And for each step you take, another proof falls away. And eventually you're left with, I can find no proof that it's unfriendly. I can only find, you know, the overwhelming uh, uh, generosity of air and right, food right. and people and sun and clothes and freedom and emotions and love and yeah.
just over just showering us showering us in these things and 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 sometimes we just don't notice or we forget so 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 in other words on a practical level just love the one you're with you know start with the one that's there the cat the dog the neighbor the garbage guy the bus driver mm -hmm. the wife the husband the boss the brother the sister the father the daughter and over time something right right you just can't believe anymore that it's actually unfriendly so there's so many question directions we can go on trying to see let me see what what i want to pursue the first practical question that comes up was as i got on this path of the work and started doing workshops I noticed there had been people who'd already been doing it for 20 years and 25 years. And, and I yes. would hear their inquiry. And this question would come up and I'm curious how you would respond to others who may have the same question. It's like 20 years later, that's, I'll be still asking these questions. It's like, does this work? Does this process work? I can't do it in candor, as you know, my background. Yeah, medically trained. Mine is okay. Here's the diagnosis. Here's the intervention. We're yeah, care of the cancer. Yeah, right? we kill the bad cells, and the good cells will come back. Yeah. So there's something here that Ernest, I I want to invite you to speak to. And that is how to even hold this kind of methodology. Because it's not an intervention, it's not psychotherapeutic, it's not a treatment. It has more like yoga, a, a practice component to it. Yes. And I don't like it. I'd like it to, <laughs> I wish I could change these beliefs. Yeah. yeah. And so is there anything about this that can make it a little bit more efficient <laughs> or how would you characterize or how would you explain to someone who was entering it and saying Ernest I, I got it thank you I've listened to your podcast I know exactly what my issues are control lack of trust I don't believe the universe is friendly and I've got I get it now how do I get there and you've got six months yeah how would you respond to that or how should we hold it? Because it's a difficult, long, it's a long journey. Uh, yeah. Well, there is, there is this, uh, mm. well, hmm. there is this annoying answer that we get from the, yogis and the enlightened ones and all of that which is there's nowhere to get to you're already there there's no destination yeah right you are already that thing that you're trying to reach hmm. and that is so puzzling for the for the mind uh for the personality based like uh mind body system because it experiences suffering and it experiences that you can do something and then you can get out of suffering and then it sort of 
projects that onto life and says there, there, there must be some process where I can move from this pain I'm feeling into this paradise. Uh, and and then we hear nirvana or or right, end up suffering right. and we and right. we oh we attach to that and we think that's what it is but then but then again and again this this message is being broadcast you know before absolute complete enlightenment chopping wood carrying water after absolute complete enlightenment chopping wood carrying water right but it's so hard for those parts of us to hear because they want a solution and they want to get there. So when you, so it's almost like you're standing at one end of something, of a journey, and you're very focused on getting somewhere. And then as you move towards that place, these things begin to happen. And one of the biggest parts of that path is what we can call self-love or welcoming ourselves or accepting ourselves. And what that brings is the beginning of that shift into it's actually okay mm. that there is pain here. I can be with that pain. Mm. It doesn't have to be suffering. I can I can be with it. I can experience it. And there is an intimacy and a, mm. something delicious about feeling my emo human emotions. So another way to say this is that if we say human emotions exist on a spectrum from from dark, painful, confrontative, aggressive stuff in one end to blissful, loving, kind stuff in the other end, right? And then we have everything in between. In the beginning, there is this desire to live our lives in that right. reduce suffering and pain, positive end, and just be in that light all the time. And then right. as we move along. We, we part of what happens is that the spectrum of or what we are willing to endure uh, the expands. window of tolerance expands exactly and yeah. and eventually it's like whatever comes let it come which is loving what is right it's there's no aversion or moving away from mm. any state mm. or experience neither mm. inside nor outside and, and those mm. two turn out to be the same and seen from that perspective, it's very easy to say to those people, well, you know, you are already there. It's all good. You know, mm. there's no point in, in this seeking thing because you, what you have is already there. It's true and it, it must be said. And at the same time, it cannot be comprehended by this part that, that is moving towards. Now, I don't know the people you've met uh, uh, in those workshops that you talk about, because clearly there are some people. Who, so doing the work for 20 years doesn't mean anything. That you've done it for 20, doing any practice for 20 years doesn't mean anything because it completely depends on the quality of how you do the practice the sincerity and the depth and the willingness you bring to the practice right mm. so what one person might find in one year another person takes 20 years to find another person will never find because there's something fundamentally that their system is unwilling to 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 take or acknowledge yeah, right, or, right. yeah. So some might be just people who are, you know, who have, for whatever reason, and there's good reason every time, for whatever reason, has not taken that step into even more depth and, and the chips have started falling. Or you may have been witnessing someone who is actually completely fine with it. You just can't hear that. Right. You, you, are, you are still hearing a person who's suffering, but that may actually not be their inner experience. Right. But right. that doesn't prevent them mm. from doing the work and doing inquiry and noticing, mm. you know, painful, painful mm. reactions or old reactions mm. to 
stimuli and stuff. Mm. So this whole comparison thing is really difficult because we don't have the inner experience of, right. of others. So, so, so let's focus on the thing that, that, that is the relevant thing, which is your experience. Right. And, and like, or mine, like the individual, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, personal yeah. experience. Yeah. And, 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 and when you do that thing that you're, is there a more effective way? Could we be more, um, on the one hand, it's a yes, you, you can. Like there are certainly some tools that work better than others. Right. Like walking around in the woods and waiting for enlightenment to hit uh, or expecting that to solve your problems is probably right. not a very good strategy. It might work, but it's probably okay. not compared to sitting and, and really looking right. inside or, or whatever or going into treatment or, you know. Yeah. So some strategies are definitely better than others, I think, in terms of producing some sort of result. Right. Still, from from the perspective of the other eye, I mean, we have two eyes, and and one is seeing the the, mm -hmm. the process in time, and the other is seeing that everything is fine already. From right. that point of view, walking around the forest is as good as as mm. doing intense, deep therapeutic work. I mean, it's right, it's right. just to 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 that part of us which is the I don't know what to call it. We could call it awareness or self or eternal right, or right. beingness or the thing, the oneness part. It's just in it. I mean, it it has no preference because nothing changes for mm -hmm. it in my experience. Mm -hmm. the, the 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 awareness that I am is the same no matter what right. Ernest goes through. There's absolutely no change. So, mm -hmm. so that's the other I. But but uh, yeah, I'm getting. A, I'm, I'm I'm. No, I, I I'm, I'm tracking with uh -huh. you. I think. Okay. In essence, what you're saying, if I. Practically, you're right. My experience is I feel, I absolutely feel the quality of my life, my window of tolerance for distress, what would throw me off, uh, has increased. I can yes. hope. And in fact, it doesn't feel as distressful, the intensity. Yeah. Uh, and when I am, in alignment and acceptance of the world, I just feel more at peace. I don't know what happiness, word happiness is confusing, but it's more, there's less physical sense of uh, constrictions and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I feel that, and I would be lying if I don't, given how much time and priority this requires there is a part of me and saying can i just intensely do it for six months and then maybe get on a much lesser pace right to clean up yeah uh, clean up those attic rooms that all the belief systems and all yeah uh, but i i i i get it uh, oh, uh, there's one thing well, yeah. there's one thing i want to add then that you know we're back a little bit in the idea of control um Right. Yeah. We could say the yeah. metaphor you're in here is is pretty mechanic. Like I work mm. intensely for six months, I clean right. it up, and then I can take down the page. And what that doesn't hold is the organic element of what about your system's readiness? Like who says mm. that you're ready mm. to do this right now? It's a very mm. sort of instrumental approach. Six months intensely, it'll yield the result. No, mm. there can be there are many other processes going mm. on in your psyche and your body and and in the world even, that that also needs to be aligned with this. 
So the idea of controlling our wage, even there, there is a surrender. Like when, when is the breakthrough moment? When, when do I, when is that work that just really shifts a lot? And why is it just there? Why wasn't it last week? Why isn't next week? Why was it under those circumstances? Who knows, right? It's it, the mm. complexity of what goes into those, right? Really deep moments is mm. beyond us. So all we can do, and I really like that, you know, there's that old quote that, you know, enlightenment happens accidentally or whatever, but you, you, meditating makes you accident prone. Exactly. Enlightenment is, is an accident, but meditation makes you accident prone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I'm not fully clear on that, but I certainly am clear on it with this work here that, you know, seeing through some of these processes, I can't control when that happens. It will or it will not happen at different times, but doing it, doing the work, on a regular basis certainly makes it prone for that to happen. But but I can't just say I'll take six months out of the calendar yeah. and work and then it's done. It, it may be not until next year, but but I can catch it if I have a practice and I do this mm. on a regular basis, mm. then when the stars align or whatever it is, my inner mm. biorhythms are right or I get right just the right stimuli, mm. then it can crack open um, for whatever reason. Yeah. So again, want, you're more of a receiver. Question. Yeah, I have one question on this, but I want to go on to another topic. On this, just to finish it, both my training as a physician, but also following some of the other paths, like in Buddhism, for instance, mm -hmm. there is some uh, understanding that there are milestones on the journey. And there are 10 stages let's say, I think in Buddhism, they talk about, they call it the stream enterer and right, uh, the, the different terms, in terms of your developmental path uh -huh. towards enlightenment. Right. I don't want to use that too much as a framework. I, I want to use it lightly. Uh -huh. The question is, as an earnest, I'm not using earnest as a name, but earnest student, of this, what would you tell me if I wanted to know where am I, Ernest? I've been doing this for two years. Where on this path am I? I'm on the first ladder still. Is there even an idea of a developmental path or is it all cyclical? In your experience, having seen so many and your own personal experience, is there a development stages or rough stages that you could speak to, or it's not even the right way to think about it. Are they markers? Oh, yeah. Hmm. I definitely feel resistance to ho holding it in, in that frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the lin the linear kind of kind of thing. Having said that, of course, uh, there is a movement from something we could say constricted to more and more expansive, or from closed I know mind to more and more open mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I, I I I think I really think we should hold each journey as individual i um 
I, I think one of the beauties of the tool that the work is, uh, is that it's just this can be used by any on any any part of your journey. It's just this framework for for questioning and turn doing turnarounds and uh, and of course you can deepen your uh, skill level with it and both how to how to uh, use it with others, but especially how to meet it yourself. There is a, there is a deepening and and I think yes, there are probably. I think it. I think actually, I. <laughs> I think if I should speak to this, I would say I think it. There are good descriptions in many systems, including Buddhism and others, that sort of try to map the path. And and in those systems, there has been a different kind of focus on mapping that path for whatever reason, both in psycho psychology and Buddhist uh, practice in in others. Uh, I don't think that's. And so I think, and that's because we are humans and there may be like some, some layers that, or some movement through a process of different kinds, but that's not so much held in the work. The work is just this tool or this approach, mm. and that can be used anywhere. And then when you use it, sure, you may go through, you know, some certain stages, but even that is like, uh, I remember when I was starting out in this a whole spiritual thing when it was very sort of spiritual this whole idea of mapping where am i at seemed very important right am i this was a system of like you could be yeah beginner you know disciple and adept right, or something right, and right. master and there were right. and there were these clues and these signs and what would they be like and and the problem right. as i as i often say is that the danger is it that 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 what is meant to be descriptive becomes prescriptive right so what right. i certainly found was that i started I, I because I thought it was important to be further for whatever reason on on the road or the ladder mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. someone there was better than someone here Right. That's that's so human, and I certainly was was in that, and so mm. I would try to be, what Byron Katie calls, "Don't push yourself beyond your evolution." Right? I would try to be beyond my evolution, but that mm. is only counterproductive, because it the only way to be there or pretend to be there would be to suppress parts of me that really needed to be seen. So I pushed a lot of stuff into the shadow, pretending to be more light than I am. And then not working on that shadow stuff, which ended up actually, if we are talking about progress, mm -hmm. from one perspective, slowing me because I didn't just deal with the dirty laundry. Mm. I was hiding the dirty laundry for a long time until I realized that's just not working. But again, it's an illusion to think I could have done it any differently. So mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to say there mm -hmm. would be, have been more a more effective method. Um, but that's why I'm uh, hesitant with this because it so easily becomes this notion of because we take it into that idea of being there is better than being here and so we begin to do i think a lot of right. people begin to do at I least i did that yeah suppress stuff the mind looking yeah well i have one more broader philosophical question and then i want to turn to uh -huh. more practical as i hear you and as I understand the work from my personal experience, it is a lot about letting go, letting go for the need for control, certainly of the external world. 
my mind wants to have something, the steering wheel, it needs something to hold to as I let go of that. Mm -hmm. The question is, or, or not even a question, it's not intellectual, the desire, the impulse is, okay, how do I make choices? Do I even have choices in life? Particularly, I've become to appreciate also the influence of the world and society that every day I, I am subject to. Mm -hmm. That holds me to a certain level of accountability and agency that at all you have a choice. And in fact, you did not exercise this choice well, and therefore you will be rewarded or punished somehow. That's kind of right. If yeah. you actually yeah. made really bad choices, yeah. if you go shoot someone, then we're going to put you in jail. Oh. And in some instances, maybe even kill you yeah. or yeah. right uh, for punishment. Are you saying, and this can get too philosophical and I'm less interested in the philosophical aspect of the discussion and more the practical. There's a part of me as I hear you, it seems to suggest there is no free will, there is no choice. Life is working on its own. It's like the train is on a track mm -hmm. and this wheel, there is no wheel. And that doesn't feel satisfying and doesn't seem, the world doesn't seem to support that as I see it from even my current level of understanding. Yeah. I'm being required. My schools are telling me, I told you, you have to be disciplined and you have to take responsibility and accountability. So can you speak to this idea of, particularly in Western society, about choice? You have choices, you have to make them. Well, well, so so you, it sounds like you're conflating choice and free will, and okay, maybe, and maybe. and those are two different things. So, is there choice? Yes, that we we make choices all the time. That's what the whole system is for. Like ultimately, if we look at it from an evolutionary point of view, we could say there was just this stomach. That was all there was. Something comes in, something goes out, and all that we have developed has been to enable us to make better choices. So we are floating around in the water and should we seek down or should we seek upwards? Well, by having a sensor that tells us the heat, the temperature of the water, that will inform me whether I should seek up or down. Mm. And that's a choice I'm making. But mm. that choice is completely automated. So, uh, uh, for instance, at one of these, what are they called? These things that, that float around in the water? Jellyfish. Gobbles. Jellyfish. Yeah, they're called jellyfish. Yeah, yeah. They have no brain, but they mm. still make choices. But they mm -hmm. don't have a free will to to what but they make plenty of choices should i go up should i go down should i go here should i go there but 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 the, it's just the the straightforward and and many animals are like that right i smell something i move towards it or mm -hmm. i you know i see something that flashes before me and that mm -hmm. activates an instinct in me to procreate i think is the word and so i jump on it and start doing that and it's all it's it's so there are choices, but they are being made automatically. Can I pause there so I can understand? Okay. Uh -huh. So these are almost organismic choices or biological choices. Totally. But there is no one choice maker sitting That's somewhere it. in the head. That's it. There's it's just, just process. Yeah. Sensors, yes. nervous system responding. Yes. And then okay. movement. Okay. Yeah. 
and that's 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 the that's the basic of the biological entity we could say it it is and mm. and all evolution has been about making better choices that's mm. what it's all about making better choices and and a good choice means that supports mm. my survival as a species mm. as as an and as an individual right that's what it's all about so i develop eyes i develop ears i develop smell taste all so that i can make better choices in the world mm. at some point then something happens and we begin to develop consciousness for, for, right. for whatever sense reason of, sense of i there's a me in there and that's the thing suddenly we have this idea that there is someone who's making the choices a chooser right. as you say right. right right it's no longer just happening like it does with right. the bird or something right. it's now right. i can think about what choice i make hmm. so now then i get the idea that i have a will of my own uh, right okay. and yeah. and and in a way the, the that consciousness is just to make more that's just a, an evolution's next step in making choices right we can make even better choices if we right. can have an idea of self and if we can operate and we, if i can imagine what's going on for you right so mm. i have some empathy or some uh, idea of the other that 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 makes me even better at making choices that will support my survival and if i can think about the winter then i can make a storage in the summer so that i can survive the winter and so on and so forth mm. But so, so yeah, so what I'm saying is, yes, there is choice, plenty of choice. There's choice going on all the time. The question is, is that run by free will? Is it a free choice? Mm, and what, yeah, what, what's, what's your perspective? So, so when, we, when we look at such a choice, when you make a choice, you can look at any choice you've made recently. What was it that made you dis land on that? If it was like two options, should I make this phone call or not? Right. If you begin to track back the process that led to you deciding to make the phone call, if you track that backwards, I think you will find that there is no start point to that process because that's because I want to talk to this person. And that's because we had a conversation last week where something happened mm -hmm. that requires mm -hmm. me to talk, which is because my mother taught me that we should always finish stuff and not go to bed mm -hmm. angry, mm -hmm. which is because her parents did this because her parents did that. So, so that whole chain that leads to the choice of picking up the phone is, and, and, <laughs> and is it in Buddhism I'm getting carried away now. I'm, 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 I'm spilling the beans. I shouldn't, I would say, but because I know, I know from, from experience that this is very sensitive to people because especially as you say, in Western culture, we really want to believe that we have free will and choice. Mm. So I, I, I want, I, 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 uh, you're hesitating to it. Yeah. Well, but it's already out. Right. So from my perspective, yeah. I think the, the idea of our freedom is highly overrated. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't experience making choices. And that doesn't mean that we, we are not put in choice situations where we really need to think a lot to make what we think is the right mm -hmm. choice and that mm -hmm. we can be in doubt and all kinds of stuff because of lack of information and stuff. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. how do, why do you make a different choice than I do when we're looking at the same, we, we are put in front of the same choice. You do one thing, I do the other, mm -hmm. right? Is that freedom or is that because we have two different histories? two different constitutions, two different personalities. Right. It's really a tricky, it's really a tricky topic. It's a very tricky topic and I, it can easily become, I can see people can become ideologically and I, I think what I took away and I want to move on from it, but this yeah. was to me very helpful. 
is the term that I think I've heard more in some of the Eastern spiritual context is all our actions are conditioned. They're conditioned by something prior. And our mind, it became clear to me as I was listening to you, mind somehow slices that action and creates a causal effect relationship. But that's kind of forgetting the entire chain of previous factors that influence. There is no start point, as you said. That's it. And the mind has to, has yeah. to create a yeah. start and an end, yeah. Yeah. a cause-effect relationship, yeah. which is perhaps a, 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 an efficient way of understanding it, but it's not maybe not the deeper truth. <laughs> I think that's a thank you. I think that's very yeah. beautifully put. I, I think that's a that's a good way to hold it. And 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 I just want to add, and that means that we do experience making choices. And that's right. a very real experience. Right. Right. And we do ask ourselves and we can't be in doubt and all kinds of stuff. Mm. It's just that the result we get to, maybe that is actually determined by what went before. By preconditions, yeah. And then and then going back to what we were discussing in the beginning, what what then can happen over time is that as you recite more as the awareness of the process right. than as the doer of the process, right. you become more of an observer of the choices that are being made. It's like mm. taking mm. the hands off the wheel doesn't stop choices from being made. Mm. There are plenty of choices being made, but right. there's a huge relief in realizing mm. I'm not actually doing it. It's happening. And how I, how I experience that is someone asks me, do you want this or that? Are we going to do this or that or whatever? And when I check in, I, all I can answer is that choice hasn't been made yet. Mm. I'm waiting for it just like you. I can't, I can't make it. We'll see what conclusion comes out of the whole processing unconscious mm. processing that's going out because it's not my little intellect that or or conscious mind that makes these choices it's a big process and that's why you can begin to shape your life more from do i have a yes or a no for this i don't need to understand in my conscious mind why i'm a yes or a no mm. there's just something there that has a yes or something that has a no and and that's when you can begin to be more like in the flow of things it's just yeah I was a yes for that. I can't, when people ask, but why did you, why, why did you say that? How did you know? Or why did you say, yeah, it's just, the, there was a yes. Right, and sometimes right. there's a no, and I have no good explanation. And that's where we are caught in this because people expect an explanation sometimes that's like, but why point. not? And it's just, I'm a yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. But it takes off so much pressure from the, from the, that idea that I'm the one making the choice is very mm. stressful compared to there's a whole supporting system here. I'm an organic mm. entity, part of a system. The choice will make itself. And I'm just left as the passenger or the observer. Right, right. And, and I just, um, what came up for me was Katie's uh, description. She's, she says, she's being thought. Mm. She's not thinking, yeah. she's being thought. Mm -hmm. and, and that resonates with me completely. And, and if you sit down and investigate it, you can just ask where does the thoughts come where do the right. thoughts come from right. and when you track them back to the source you have to say i'm not doing them they are coming by them even when i sit down and try to not think 
they keep coming at me. So, and if I'm not the one who controls my thoughts and the thoughts I use to make the choices, then open a jut case, right? This is beautiful. I want to transition. Yeah, let's do that. So I want to pick up from where we left uh, last time. And you were commenting on your own evolution in your relationship with the work, mm -hmm. both for yourself and also in, in your teaching and training and others. Right. And I have experienced that having known you for some period of time. And that is the evolution from what you called the procedural, methodological, precise questions. Here are the four questions. Here are the turnaround. Don't stray from it. Stay in the work. Yes. To what I now sense, and I think you commented on, you have evolved or migrated or deviated, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yes. To more the non-classical or less classical. Yeah. More spacious. How do we enter the space, as you called it, if I remember? Yeah. A larger holding as a context for inquiry. Yes. I don't know if I'm capturing that accurately. First, is that, am I capturing? Your yes. evolution correctly. Yeah, I like to hold those two certainly that there's the procedural thing, which is the work is a procedure you go through. And then there is the work is a space you enter, a space of inquiry you enter into. Mm. But I also want just to, to say that they both, they coexist. Mm. It's not one or the other. For not me, the strength or. is, yeah, because that space, if it doesn't have some sort of structure, it's going to just be right, right. nothing, right? But on the other hand, if the procedure doesn't allow for some spaciousness around it, it's going to be too dry. So so it's 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 the combination of the two. Right. And, and yes, the effect then is that if you observe me uh, in my own work, you'll see that I do not necessarily follow the structure to the to the letter because yeah. some because in the space something else might show up that 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 calls for attention mm. and, and that feels like the valuable thing to do and then mm. we'll go there yes when do you use for yourself or others this more loser more more uh, spacious way of doing the inquiry mm -hmm. than the very methodical procedural way of doing it how do you how do you navigate that in your own experience and as you work with others hmm. i can start by saying from my experience when i visit that when you ask and i visit that i notice that that just happens by itself it's not it's not coming out of a rule or a, like mm. i notice this and then i respond with that it's just as you say if you feel that someone or if someone even expresses that they are uncomfortable with deviating too much from the very structured well-structured uh, path they know then i uh, I, I i think i will just meet that and adapt to that and and um 
accommodate their that need because there's no point in stressing it out. Mm-hmm. However, um, I think the 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 question how do you or or like how do you get them to do it differently? Of course, first Actually, of all, I, I, can I reword it differently? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. The question really is, particularly when you're not following the procedure, I see the comfort and the support of the very strict yeah. procedural approach. Yeah. As you deviate from that, which I'm excited about, is you're still in an inquiry but sometimes if you're not very skilled at it, you get lost in saying, is this still inquiry going on or have we gone into something else? Are we still yeah, in the yeah. work? That's it. That's so it. what are some of the, the subtler markers for you when you are holding the broader space where even the questions are not being asked right. to distinguish and for yourself make a note, yes, this is still, we're doing work. Right without the formal structure, and when you make a note, you've gone out of work. Right. So what's the deeper essence of the inquiry when there's no structure? Um, the, the, the fundamental purpose, we could say, of particularly the work, that type of inquiry that the work is an expression of, is questioning your beliefs mm-hmm. with a focus on this questioning, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in a belief. I believe it's true. And now I'm questioning whether it is actually true. Mm-hmm. So I would say as long as that's what's going on in the, in the work we're doing in your inquiry, mm-hmm. that, 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 that you, that, 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 in, in many different ways, what you're doing is you're questioning, challenging um, the belief structure you have. Mm-hmm. Then, then we are on the right path. Mm. If it becomes storytelling, which is very often finding proof that the beliefs you have are actually true, that the beliefs you already have are actually true, mm. or rational argumentation, for an, like for them, then we are definitely not on track because mm-hmm. now we are now we are supporting or reinforcing beliefs rather than questioning them. Mm. There is a there is an interesting middle ground which is we can question beliefs but do it from a rather intellectual or rational place, mm-hmm. which will only yield intellectual insight that the belief might not be true, but doesn't actually change anything in the nervous system on a deeper level. Right. right. So that's the other aspect I would say. The, the one aspect is, are we questioning things or are we, are we strengthening things, right? Mm-hmm. That's the fundamental mm-hmm. motive here. And then the, the quality of the way we are doing it is that primarily an intellectual investigation or mm-hmm. does, it, does it have these connections, these landing, these, because sometimes it's fine to fly up on a bit of an intellectual thing, but we want to always land in experience, in, in the nervous system, in mm-hmm. uh, memory reconsolidation, uh, right? That, mm-hmm. that, that what's stored there, th- that questioning we're looking for is that the experience 
that we are basing our behavior on, which is stored somewhere in our, we could say, body or in our nervous system, wherever that might be, that must be challenged and questions, questioned and, and mm. ultimately replaced with a different experience, mm. which is what the turnarounds do. Mm. Mm. And that then leads to new behavior. And in order for that to be, replacement to happen, we need to go to that level so that it's not right. only intellectual. Right. Yeah. So those are those are the things we are questioning stuff, but we are questioning them experientially. Even mm. if we are, even if it's mind experience, we are doing. We're it's still an experiential process, not an intellectual process. And we could call that embodiment. We could call that, you know, imagining. We could call that reconstructing memory. We could call it what we want, but it's about mm. accessing the stored, mm. uh, locked in experiences that mm -hmm. are the basis for those beliefs that drive our behavior okay. and so and that's of course difficult to to put into words how do you know when that's going on or not because it's a quality of of silence it's a quality of the words used of the tone of voice of the look of the person there, there's so many things that go into it but i think we all have the ability to experience or maybe not all but most of us to experience if someone is in a deep place coming from a deep place in themselves or a more superficial place in themselves right. for instance. Yeah. I, I think we all have that sense even in the conversation is someone are you really there are you really in there connected to your emotional system or are you just uh, repeating parroting something someone else has said right is it coming from you or is it just so we have some sort of sense of that and i think that's that's the best i can say is that that i use that sense if you want and if i'm in doubt i'll ask the client i i feel i'm rarely in doubt but sometimes you know it's a way to just ask like is this is this landing in you or is it more like a thought process for you mm -hmm. and they might say no no this is really oh man this is really deep in me okay good and they might say nah i can't really feel it okay so let's right let's land in a specific situation in time and space bring that up and let's look at it from this new perspective let's play with it from this turnaround for instance or this uh contrary belief and and then live through it there and have the experience now again from a new place so that we reinterpret that experience that has been locked in as proof mm. that the world can't be trusted or that mm. she doesn't like me or you know all these things that we, that we believe to new new people who are learning and trainers i think you've answered it i just want to make sure i capture it for myself well you're 100 right you know when the person is in their experience intuitively you sense yeah. it and yeah there's something there right blown off yeah the challenge I've noticed as a facilitator is you don't know what to do to bring them back. Right. You know they're not in it. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any trips, tr tricks or techniques or not tricks is not the right word. Any any kind of tips, yeah. tips yeah. that you can yeah. give to someone and say what what could be some interventions that well, well, there is one. There is something that's really fundamental. And that's we need to understand our role as facilitators, right? Mm. Because it's not really your job to bring mm. them anywhere. It's their job. Mm. In this context, your only job is to to make them aware that they're that they are not 
possibly uh-huh. not where they're supposed, quote unquote, to be. Right. right? So, so we, we need to scale down, first of all, the ambition. It's very simple. It's your work. It's your inquiry. I'm just asking some questions and holding a space for you. And the more meditative or the more deep that space can be, the greater the chances that you'll drop in as well. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. I can do something. I can come from a quiet place in myself as I meet you in the facilitation. But from then, my only job is really to say, it feels like you're off on a tangent here. Is that mm. true? Mm. And if the person says yes, then to invite them back in, get, leave mm. them some space for that. Now, having said that, of course, sometimes people might need some support. Like, yes, I'm off on a tangent, but I can't feel this or I don't know. How right, do I? Right, right. And sure, there are a bunch of, of skillful ways to support that, but it's so dependent on the specific context. And, and, and as I always say, the way to, to find those skillful ways is to be client yourself as much as possible. How to become a good, whatever that is facilitator is by having a lot of experience as clients, because that's how you find out what works for you in terms of coming back when you're lost. And then you can offer that to the person who's inquiring uh, as a possibility. One of the things that I think you were talking about when we last spoke, and it's a question of my personal experience, is work the four questions and the turnaround gets you into this beautiful space of loosening the power of the belief. You started yeah. with the real grip and then suddenly yes. you realize yeah. the alternative could be as true. It's right. Yeah. And then after that space, you feel much more expansive, that tightness, that urgency, that attachment to that belief definitely gives more space. Yes. But then I get up, I finish the session, and I go face the world. I be yeah. the world. Yeah. And a particular situation, if you are, that situation is still present and alive, that person yeah. I have to talk to yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. My experience of the work is it somehow is abrupt. It's like the movie finishes in the middle and I keep hoping, okay, now that I've done all this and I've realized I was locked into a certain view of reality, uh-huh. That was distorted. I was, uh-huh. I'm, and as a result of the work, I end up seeing more. Right. I have this feeling that I'm still hungry to now take this new opened up mind and look at that situation and come up with some actions. What yes. do I do now? Yeah. And the work doesn't take me there. It just stops no. there, opens the mind and says, good luck. Yeah. Now, now you shall go forth and conquer. Yeah. And I can see that over time, but in the early stages, for instance, relational context, you know, Uh I understand I, the suffering was created because I understood that person did something and that meant I interpreted they don't care Yeah. or they are too selfish. And then you realize and say, no, Actually, they, it might be caring in a different way. And actually, I don't care that much about myself or even about them. So it's, they are no different. 
Yeah. So I definitely loosen the 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 hold of that, the tight grip of that belief. Yeah. But there's a part of me still saying, okay, so now what do I do? How do I approach them? What do I need to do to repair, to reestablish that relationship? You're looking for some guidance that completes that process and you mm -hmm. come out with clarity on the situation. Okay, so there's there there's so much there. Let, let me see. First, I would like to make a distinction between you're caught in a belief and you do the work and you've experienced the loosening of that belief yeah. as a relief and there's peace yeah. in the moment. And the suffering caused by that, yes. Yeah. So so and that's nice. But what you have released is only, we could say, the hold the belief had on you in that moment. Correct. Correct. Now you're back in a more expansive state and you right. can see the, you're not lost in that. Right. So that's right. one level, we could say, of what the work brings. Mm -hmm. But actually, underneath the trigger still exists. So you're prone to go back in. Mm -hmm. You've only been released for now, right? Mm -hmm. Now, with what what the work offers is to not only have that but actually have a release of the trigger as well right that underlying belief not just for the moment i've seen it oh i can breathe now but actually see through that belief that is the trigger that is causing it to be triggered and have that be dissolved or undone mm. when that happens you not only get the release now in the moment, but you get a whole new perspective on the situation. It's not just, well, maybe it is a different form of caring. It's like, wow, this really is their way of caring. Mm. This is their way of caring. And, and in not seeing that, I've been so uncaring towards them and towards myself. I've, I've just mm. been... I've just not been taking care of us because I've been avoiding having this conversation that I should have or speaking up or setting a boundary or whatever it might be. And, and, and with that shift, it's not just that I feel released or relieved. It's that a whole new, a whole new arena of actions or a whole new, uh, avenue of potential opens up in the relationship because let's say it's been that i've not set my boundary thinking that i was being caring and they were not and then i realized it's actually much more caring to set the boundary let's say that for mm. whatever it is right mm -hmm. so now as i've seen that suddenly setting the boundary becomes possible for it's 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 on the menu so, mm. And it wasn't before, it was not possible because I'm a nice person. Nice persons don't hold boundaries. They are accepting and... Right. But now now I am open to it. So so that's the first part, right? There are these different... And, and that has to do with the depth of your inquiry. If you're, if you're only going for the release, momentary release, or if you're actually going for what is going on on the deepest level in this problem right. in my life, right? Okay, so so now then there is the question you ask, but I, I want an action. I want to look at what should I then do next time? And 
And this is where I would say part of what I experience with the work is its ability to bring me to the present moment, where where uh, a more coaching-like approach would be about figuring out strategies of exactly, behavior. exactly, right, solving the approach, problem. Yeah, yeah. The approach of this work is to set you free to be present when the problem arises. We could say, to be mm -hmm. with it when it comes next time. So instead of being preoccupied with how should I handle it, it's like, okay, I've really seen that and I can even go walk with it for some days and notice and it, right. it's really impacted me. And what happens is next time the same situation comes and this person comes and is like that, new behavior simply shows up by itself. Mm. And I don't need a plan or a strategy for it. Plans and strategies is only when we are trying to control ourselves. You don't need a plan or a strategy to know how to pick up the phone and answer or have this conversation with me or talk to a friend on, on the street or hang out with your loved ones. You know, you don't need a, you just do it. It just comes natural, right? But only if there's a, if there are huge problems, then you need to know, okay, I need to walk through the door and sit on the bed casually and say, hello, dear, right? <laughs> and look all mysterious like that's, that's when you're trying to, when you don't just trust hmm. your spontaneous reactions in the moment, but want to control it. So hmm. I would say what, 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 what this release that comes through inquiry does is it sets us free to have more adequate spontaneous reactions because mm. they're flowing free instead of going through this distortion of belief mm. systems. And so we don't need to have a plan anymore. Mm. We can just meet the world as it is. I'm open to all hell breaking loose, or I'm open to setting my boundaries and see what happens. Or, And that's why it's an openness more than a new kind of closeness. Like, let's see. And maybe the situation will never come again. What I've uh, experienced time and time again is I do my work. And for whatever reason, that my other friend. person just doesn't do it anymore. Right, right. And what I, I, it's a mystery. It's like, are they sensing something in me? Did I change something in the ether of the universe? Like, what happened? But I'm just not putting it anymore. And mm -hmm. my best, like, how I can hold it is I, I just think I have a different... There's just subtle clues that they sense in me. Like, I'm not going to take this anymore. And, and they just sense that in just the tone of my voice or something. So they, they just stop trying. Or Fascinating. That's my best explanation. But the point, I think, is getting back to being open to the now, open to whatever is. And that's why I would say, and I, I, can't, I can't speak for Katie on that, but that's why it works for me anyway, that the work is, does not include a new coaching-like strategy approach behavior but it's just like yeah let's see now that's cleaned up we'll walk into the back into the fray see what right. happens oh right. now i'm hit there okay back into the work into the engine room work on that back into the fray and over time i'm just not triggered it's just like oh oh nice or like oh you feel like that's the guy at the bus stop that we talked about right you getting all upset and angry because i put my luggage in the wrong place and it's just oh let me move it End of story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really have loved this and really am grateful to have this privilege and opportunity. Thank you, Atul. And, and same to you. Thank you for these beautiful questions. The work of Byron Katie is copyrighted by Byron Katie International. You can read more on www.thework.com. For more podcasts like this one, videos with tips and tricks, articles on the work and online courses, visit theartofbeinghuman.com. And feel free to contact me 
If you have any questions or comments to this podcast, you can find my contact information on theartofbeinghuman.com or you can simply send an email to ernest at theartofbeinghuman.com. Thank you for listening.